1: Welcome to Mystery Theater Old Time Radio, a podcast that takes you back to the golden age of radio, where the mysteries unfold in the shadows and the suspense keeps you on the edge of your seat. So grab your detective hats and get ready for another thrilling adventure. <whistles>
2: Lever Brothers, makers of Rinso, R I N S O, Soapy Rich Rinso, present Boston Blackie, starring Chester Morris. Drunk boy.
3: Sign the register, please, sir. Right here. Yes, Miss Manletter? Is there some trouble with your room? Oh, no, it's
4: fine, thank you. I was just wondering, do you know a Mr. Boston Blackie when you see him?
3: No, I don't know him. I'm sorry, Miss Manletter.
4: Well, thanks. just the same. I was supposed to meet him here in the lobby, but I have no idea what he looks like. My uncle arranged the appointment before I left San Francisco.
3: Oh, there's a man standing over by the newsstand who looks as if he'd be waiting for someone.
4: Oh? Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, I'm sure that must be Mr. Blackie. Thank you so much. Hello there. Uh, I hope you'll forgive me. Wasn't I supposed to meet you here? Uh, uh, you're you, aren't you? Yes. At least Uncle should have had you wear a white carnation.
2: According to Uncle, white carnations don't stay white long in
4: Pittsburgh. <laughs> Uncle told me that you were very witty. Uh, but they do in San Francisco, you know. Of
5: <laughs> course. Well, shall we go?
4: Where to? Oh, no, don't uh, tell me. I'd rather be surprised.
5: All right, let's go.
4: Oh, clerk, I found the man I was looking for. Thank you for your trouble.
3: Uh, no trouble at all. Hello? Room clerk speaking. Hello, uh, would
5: you do me a favor, please? I'm supposed to meet a young lady in your lobby, and I've been delayed. Would you have a page, please? Her name is Alice Manletter.
3: Miss Manletter? Yes. Why? She just left here a minute ago. She met someone she was expecting, and she left with him.
5: Well, that's impossible. Miss Manletter doesn't know anyone in New York.
3: Well, she told me she had an appointment with a Mr. Boston Blackie, and that's the man she left here with. But well, that can't be possible. And why not?
5: Because I'm Boston Blackie. <laughs>
2: In a few moments, we will meet Boston Blackie, but uh, right now, a thought about the weather. I'll bet it sometimes doesn't seem fair to you ladies. Here it is, summer, blistering hot days, days when you ought to be taking it easy. And what happens? You've got a bigger wash than ever to worry about. More towels, more of the kids' play play clothes, more of your own wash dresses, more shirts of dads, more everything. Well, you couldn't pick a more ideal time than now to switch to Soapy Rich Rinseau. With Rinso, even the biggest grimiest wash goes like a breeze. As little as 5 minutes per load with Rinso in your washer and your clothes are sparkling Rinso white, clean as a whistle. And Rinso is safe for washable colors too. Leaves them Rinso bright after dozens of dozens of washings. You'll be mighty proud of your Rinso wash and proud too that you bought the big green and yellow package that made it so easy to do. Better get so before next wash day. And now, meet Boston Blackie, radio's newest adventure star. Meet Boston Blackie, enemy to those who make him an enemy, friend to those who have no friend. Uh, Listen, clerk, try to think.
5: What did the man look like? I mean, the one Miss Manletter left with. I don't know, Mr. Blackie. Rather good-looking about your height and build. But Miss Manletter didn't know anybody in New York. Her uncle told me that when he asked me to meet her. Well, I'm sorry I can't help you. Well, thanks just the same. Oh, uh, here's my card. Mm -hmm. If Miss Manletter returns, have a call this number, will you? Yes, I will. Taxi, sir Oh, no, no thanks uh, Look, Dorman, did you happen to notice a man and a girl leaving here about ten minutes ago? Uh, a pretty girl and a man about my height uh, Yes, sir, come to think of it, I did call a taxi for a couple of that uh, answers that description Well, do you remember which cab it was? Uh, yes, it was the one uh, Mike O'Hara drives Oh, oh uh, that's O'Hara just pulling up to the end of the line now Well, thanks a lot Here, buy your wife some flowers
3: Oh, well, thank you very much, sir
5: uh, O'Hara? Yes, sir you just drove a man and a young lady somewhere. I want to go where they went. Oh, you want to follow someone? <laughs> You're a bright lad, O'Hara. I don't want to get into any trouble. Maybe you'd better get another cab. Oh, you won't get into any trouble. You see, I'm Inspector Faraday of the Homicide Department. Oh, Inspector Faraday. That's right. Okay, step on it. Oh, sure, Inspector. I'll go as fast as I can. <laughs>
6: this is it. This is the place I left them off.
3: Right in front of this store.
5: Oh, thanks. Uh, here, buy yourself a couple of cigars. Oh, thank you, sir. Gee, I'll buy you a
3: box. No.
5: <laughs> well, how do you do? I, uh, I'm looking for a young couple who came here a few minutes ago.
4: You're looking for a couple? I'm looking for a couple. I'll take a single yet. Nobody comes here. Only Pop and me. Even Papa ain't here now. They have nobody else. See for yourself.
5: Well, thanks. Uh, may I use your telephone, please?
4: Certainly. That'll be ten cents. Oh, um. You wouldn't be interested in buying anything, would you, mister?
5: No, no thanks. No.
4: Well, nobody ever buys anything.
5: Hello, Ashley Hotel. I'd like to speak to the room clerk, please. Uh, say, Mom, have you got any chewing gum?
4: Chewing gum he asked for, is he
5: kidding?
3: Room clerk speaking.
5: Uh, this is Boston Blackie. Have you had any word for Miss Alice Manletter?
3: Oh, Mr. Blackie, Miss Manletter's been trying to reach you. She wants you to come down here to see her right away. She's in room 305.
5: Thank you very much. I'll be right over.
7: Three, please. Third floor. Oh,
5: thank you. 301, 303. Oh, well, here we are,
7: 305. Come in.
5: <laughs> Hello.
7: Hello. So you're Boston Blackie.
5: Mm-hmm. I'm glad to see you, Miss Manletter. You know, your uncle asked me to look out for you, and then you disappear. Well, you didn't even give me a chance.
7: Oh, you mean this morning? Yes. No, I, I just met a friend, that's all. He followed me from San Francisco.
5: Oh, well, I, I don't blame him. I'd have followed you, too. Uh, how was your trip?
7: Oh, wonderful. This is my first time in New York, you know. I, I practically lived in a dream all the way
5: here. <laughs> well, how do you like what you've seen of it?
7: <laughs> Wonderful.
5: You know, uh, I'd like to show you the real town.
7: Oh, uh, I'd like to, only I, I've sort of an engagement tonight.
5: Oh, the same fellow? Uh-huh. You haven't wasted much, much, much time before I came here, have you?
7: <laughs> only the 18 years since I, before I came here. Isn't that enough?
5: Well, that's enough for me to be running along, Alice. Oh, here's my phone number, and uh, if you want anything, you just call. How about lunch tomorrow, huh?
7: Oh, I'd love it. Thanks, Mr. Blackie, for everything. Oh,
5: everything is nothing. Good night, Alice.
8: 25,
3: boss. Nice shooting.
5: Oh, Shorty, she's a beautiful girl. Look, why don't you forget Danes for a minute? Give me a good reason. 15. Just like I'm telling you, boss, your hand ain't steady. You need some more practice. Well, this maxim silencer doesn't fit this gun too well. Oh. How come the new gun, Blackie? Where's your old one? Well, uh well, you see, Shorty, I um You what? Well, I <laughs> I hate to admit it, but uh I guess I was robbed.
3: Boston, Blackie, robbed? Yeah.
5: <laughs> hey, boss, you ain't in any trouble. I don't know. Gee, bullseye, boss. Yeah. Yeah, I guess this new gun will do until I get my old one back. Well, there's nothing like a workout with a target to keep your aim in shape, Shorty. You know, I got a funny idea about that, boss. I don't care if my aim ain't so good as long as the other guys ain't either. (laughs) I'll get it, Shorty. All right. Hello? Blackie? Well, 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 Inspector Faraday, my favorite cop. Mm Mm-hmm. How'd you guess? Oh, how could I miss those low, dulcet tones, Inspector? I want you down here in ten minutes, Blackie, or I'll send for you. Well, it's fine, but where's down here? The Ashley Hotel, room 305. You won't have to send for me, Inspector. I'll be right down. Mm -hmm. Say, boss, uh, Faraday hasn't got you jumping through a rope, has he? Mm, Room 305, Ashley Hotel. Shorty, that's Alice Manletter's room.
8: Third floor,
7: please. Watch your step getting out.
5: Thank you. Inspector. Holy Mac. Yeah, Blackie, she's dead. Dead? As if you didn't know. Now oh, wait a minute. How did you know about this, Faraday? O'Hara, the taxi driver, got suspicious, so reported to headquarters. Oh. From his description, I knew it was you, and then I got suspicious. So you're going around impersonating me now, eh, Blackie? Well, you should be flattered. Why did you kill her? Wait a minute, Faraday. Okay, boys, cover him. Now don't be a dope. I promised to look after this girl. She was all right when I left her a little while ago. Yeah, maybe. After we discovered the body, the boys and I waited for you to make an appearance. We knew you'd be back. Now, Faraday, listen. This girl was Arthur Manletter's niece. Mm -hmm. And I'll take care of whoever was responsible for her murder. No, no, I'll do that, Blackie. You killed her. Now, that's your gun in her hand. My gun? But I don't see how that... We checked the serial numbers, Blackie. I don't care what you checked. Mm -hmm. You can't take me in for this. I didn't kill her, I tell you. Okay, maybe not. Maybe the serial number on this gun is wrong. You know what a paraffin test is, Blanky? Oh, sure I know. All right. Well, we'll get down to headquarters and cover your hand with paraffin. Fine. Then we'll be able to tell whether you fired a gun in the last couple of hours or Now, Inspector, will you listen? Yeah. This girl came to New York this morning. Mm -hmm. She wasn't supposed to know anybody in town. Mm -hmm. And then she told me she'd met a friend. Well, what are you trying to prove? I'm trying to prove that somebody killed Alice Manletter, and I've got to be free to find out who did it. Well, you won't be. I'll see to that personally. And now, whoa, wait a minute now. What are you doing in that girl's but handbag? Don't, don't get scared, Inspector, please. Well, what are you doing? You've got four cops with guns on me. Yeah? This isn't a trick. I might find something here that will help me track down the murderer. Well, we've searched this whole place, Don it. There's nothing here. Uh, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Wait a minute. What are you taking out of that bag? Well, I don't know yet. It's, uh, it's just a piece of paper. Well, I'll take it. Mm, what's this? Boston 5 Zealand Zealand. Louisiana, three, Saskatchewan, Tennessee, two, Nevada. Yeah, Nevada, go ahead. What are you doing? I'm just writing down what you've said. Well, this doesn't make sense. Missouri, one, three, Denver, four, France, France. Well, you see, Faraday, that's a code. Well, you're going to have plenty of time to work it out, Blackie. Come on, let's get going. I'm going to give your hand a paraffin test to find out whether you fired a gun recently. And if you have, take it from me, pal. You'll have to do some talking to keep your head above water. (laughs) Well, I'm afraid, Inspector, the only way I can keep my head above water is
2: to duck you. Boston Blackie apparently is in a spot. And uh, speaking of spots, so was a friend of mine the other day. You see, a lady I know of looked out of her window one morning, and it was such a lovely day she felt like singing.
4: Dum, da 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 da
2: da. And all of a sudden, she remembered it was wash day. Oh shucks! So she got ready to do her wash and found she was out of soap. Well, time was wasting, so she borrowed some from her next door neighbor—a soap she'd heard a lot about but never tried before. Yes, you guessed it. It was soapy-rich Rinseau. And when she saw what mountains of suds Rinseau made...
4: Well, 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 what do you know?
2: And how quickly those Rinseau suds soaked her clothes dazzling white, and how she only had to give the very dirty places a few quick finger rubs because Rinso gets out more dirt, she started singing all over again like this
8: rinse white, rinse white, happy little wash
0: day song. rinse so white, rinse white, pretty sing it all day
4: long. Your fine-feathered friend has a message you send, so listen, you can't go wrong.
8: rinse white, rinse white, happy little wash day song.
2: Sing your way through your next wash day with rinse <laughs> Boston Blackie is in Inspector Faraday's office awaiting the police laboratory report that will show whether he has fired a gun within the past few hours so that Faraday can build a complete case against him for the murder of the girl in the Ashley Hotel. How does it feel, Blackie? To be sitting there just waiting for a report that could send you to the chair? Are
5: you nervous? Boston, five, Zealand, Zealand. That's the first word. Now, you <laughs> take the first letters of each word and you get buzz. Great. ha <laughs> How do you do it, Blackie? Hmm? You get... Bzz. That's right. Yeah. Now we know everything. Who killed the girl, what her mother's maiden name was, and what town she was born That's exactly what I'm trying to find out. <laughs> After the first letter, there's the number five. Mm. See, that could be the fifth vowel. You know, A-E-I-O-U. That's right. Or do you? Yes. Then the word would spell B-U-Z-Z. Marvelous. Buzz. 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 Inspector, this is a clue to the murder. Oh. Now, using that system of spelling out the first letters of each word, the note reads buzz, listen, made,
9: off. Yeah, what does that mean?
5: I wish I knew. Yeah,
2: Faraday. Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
5: Right. Thanks. Well, that was it, Blackie. The test showed you fired a gun, all right. And the gun we found next to the girl's body was yours. Now, Inspector, I lost my gun, and it's true, I fired another. But I was just practicing. Sure, sure, on a live target. Oh. You don't expect me to believe that, do you, Blackie? Well, frankly, no. You killed her, and then you put her gun, your gun, in her hand. After wiping off your fingerprints, of course. Oh, that's an old trick, Blackie, an old one. I'm surprised at you. Hey, Matthews. Inspector. Take Blackie down to the cell floor and lock him up. We'll book him later.
3: right, Chief. Come on, Blackie.
5: Okay, okay. Well, you look very nice today, Matthews. New uniform. Who's your tailor? You won't be able to go to him for a long time. (laughs) You know, good old Matthews, snappy clothes and patted a match. Say, Inspector, may I wash my hands? Well, they're Hmm. covered with ink from that fingerprint pad. Is it okay? (laughs) Oh, sure, sure. But keep an eye on him, Matthews. I'll beat it, both of you. I'm thinking. Thinking, huh? I'd love to watch. Come on, Matthews. Block me up. So long, Inspector. Faraday said I could wash my hands, Matthews. Remember? Go ahead, but no tricks. Here's the washroom. But remember, I'll be right back here with my gun in my hand. Oh, goody. I let you in on a little secret, Blackie. What's that? The Inspector brought in a half a dozen extra cops from another precinct. Just to make sure you didn't break out of here. No. Only half a dozen? Well, I'm flattered. Uh, by the way, Matthews, did you take a shower this morning? No, last night. Well, you need another one. Now. Hey, quit splashing water all over me. I can't see. Give me my gun. (laughs) Ah, Not a chance. I'm going to gag you, Matthews, and lock you in here. Come on, turn around. There. Now try and yell. And I want to borrow your uniform. If there are strange cops here, they'll think I'm one of them. You see, I'm leaving in your uniform. Come on, Matthews. Come on, take Mm -hmm. it off. Blackie, if Faraday ever finds this waterfront hideout of ours, you know we're sunk. Oh, Faraday couldn't find a skunk in a perfume shop. Will you stop worrying? Okay, okay. What do we do next, boss? Well, nothing until I get that long-distance call through to Arthur Manletter. The operator's trying to reach him in San Francisco now. So after we reach him, so what? Well, I won't know, Shorty, until I talk to him. You see, the only thing I've been able to do since I walked out of headquarters an hour ago was to break the code we found in that girl's bag. It read, buzz, listen, made, off. Yeah, 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 you told me that before. Yes, yes, I know, but those words don't make sense. However, suppose we try an association. You mean we're going to join a club? Oh, cut it out, Shorty, please. Now, for instance, what does the word buzz make you think of? A bee. That's right. Now, let's say the first word is B. Yeah. Now, the second word in the code message is listen. Uh-huh. What does that make you think of?
3: Listen, I don't know. Hey, wait a minute, boss. Yeah. Don't tell me. Don't tell me now. I, I'll get then it. Listen, like
5: it. listen. The word is here. Oh. So the message starts, be here.
3: Uh-huh.
5: Then the last two words are made and off. Oh, by the way, Shorty, what's the maid's day off? Thursday, if anybody still has got one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Thursday's right. So the message reads... Be here Thursday.
3: Oh, that's it. Yesterday was Thursday, the day the gal came to town. Sure. That's
5: that's the code, all right. Only what good. There's my call now. Hello? Blackie, this is Manletter in San Francisco. Oh, hello, Arthur. Blackie, what's happened? I just heard the radio. It said that Alice has been murdered. The police were searching for you. That's not true, is it, Blackie? Yes, yes, I'm afraid it's true, Arthur. But you know I didn't do it. Of course you didn't. I don't know how it happened. But I'm going to find out Blackie, look, I feel terrible oh, This is shit. her 20th birthday The trip was a present from me 20th birthday? Oh, uh, wait a minute, Arthur Is uh, is she a brunette? Oh, no, she had the most beautiful blonde hair you ever saw <laughs> oh, oh, that's wonderful Arthur, your niece wasn't murdered What? It wasn't Alice Now take my word for it. But the radio Never said... mind the radio Your niece wasn't murdered And I'm going to find her, Arthur You'll hear from me oh, Thanks, Blackie Thanks, call me as soon as you know anything, will you? I will Goodbye now, why did you tell him that for Blackie? Because it's true, Shorty. You see, I never saw the real Alice Manletter. I took it for granted she was the girl in the hotel room. Oh. But that girl said she was 18 and Manletter's niece is 20. And the color of her hair settles it. Okay, but what happens now? Well, the real Alice Manletter left the hotel this morning with a man. Uh-huh. The cab driver gave me the address, but she wasn't there, of uh-huh. course. They they evidently got off there, but must have walked down the street to another house. Well, what do we do first? Well, let's see. First, we've got to get a couple of messenger uniforms. Yeah. Then you'll take one side of the street and I'll take the other and we'll ring every doorbell and say we have a wire for Alice Manletter.
8: Well, what good will that do?
5: Whoever is holding Alice will know it's a trick and will try to grab us. That's what I'll be waiting for. Uh, telegram for Alice Manletter. Ain't nobody here by that name. Are you sure? Sure, I'm Sure. There ain't nobody in this block for that name, either. I don't know. I've lived here for 40 years. Gee, this reminds me of Alan's Alley. Uh, should I try the next block? Uh, we'll try it together, but I got two more houses to go. Wait for me. Okay. I've got to find that girl, Shorty.
3: Okay, boss. If it's a girl, you'll find her.
5: What you want? Telegram for Alice Manletter. Did you come in? Well, is, uh, is Miss Manletter here? She, uh, she's she got a sign for this person.
11: Yeah.
5: Ah, nice place you have here. I, uh, I noticed a sign outside saying this was a doctor's uh, home. In here, please. Yeah, okay. Thanks.
3: Hey, what's this? See if he is armed, Otto.
5: Yeah, I'll see. Keep your gun on him, Joe. Yeah. And here's his gun here, Doctor. Here, in his card
3: case. Boston Blackie. We were hoping you would come. It took you a little longer than we thought. Oh, you knew I'd be here, huh? The girl said she was supposed to meet you in the hotel lobby. Huh? And Otto here made a mistake and thought she was one of us. I see, so that's what happened. Otto was supposed to meet one girl, he met another. He thought she was someone else and she thought he was someone else. Simple blunder. Oh,
5: ho, ho. you mean the super race has made a
3: simple blunder? But everything has been taken care of. This girl knows no one else in the city and very soon... She will know nothing at all. Oh, I see. And that
5: goes for me, too, I suppose. How, <coughs> Ouch. but you take it easy with my hands back there, boys? I am tight, Adolf. Mm. It's see, too. Easy. Good, good. We have only a few moments. Yeah, uh, that's right. You just listen to the newscast. You better work fast, boys. You have only a few moments. Warsaw, Paris, Berlin. American kick.
3: Take him in the other room. Better carry him. Yeah.
5: Help me, Joe. Yeah.
3: I'll open the door for you. Just throw him in. The lens on his neck. It's too bad.
2: Ready, Joe? Who
3: is that?
4: <laughs>
5: well, I, I, I think it's me, Boston Blackie. Oh. You're uh, your Alice Manletter, of course. Oh,
4: Boston Blackie, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks. So much has happened to me. Yes,
5: I think I know most of it.
4: You think we'll get out of here?
5: Well, we're certainly going to try. Let's do something about these ropes. Uh, you're tied up, too, aren't you? Yes, well, they weren't nice enough to leave some lights on so I could see what it was doing. Well, there's the first one off. Now for my legs. See, I just thought of something. That girl accomplice must have lifted my gun when I was up there, figuring that if I found out she was a spy, she could take care of me. Well, the legs are free. Now I'll untie you. Thank
8: you. What's that?
5: They're going to send a message. We'll be able to hear what they say. The microphone's right up against the wall. Now, your hands are free. Work on your ankles. And I'll
3: listen. All right. Let's And over, four, two. Let's
5: one. S-H-O-E-S. Shoes.
3: One, Nevada, ten
5: A-N-D. And shoes and...
3: Uh, Let's one. Two, one, Louisiana, three. Nevada, Georgia, Wisconsin, one. Them tipping.
5: Ceiling wax. Shoes and ceiling wax.
3: One, five, Tennessee, five, Missouri, Nevada.
5: A U T U M N, Autumn. Shoes and Sealing Wax, Autumn that, that's uh, the message so far.
3: To the one. One, Nevada, Chicago, Two, to the Four, Tennessee. That
5: spells Galahad and Lancelot. they stopped sending. Yeah.
4: What did they say? Do you know?
5: Now keep working on those ropes, Alice. Yes. Now here's the message Shoes and Sealing Wax. That's from Alice in Wonderland. The word missing is ships. Well, that could be the first word in the message. That's the way it works? Sure. Now, let's see. The next next thing was autumn. Autumn, autumn, autumn. Uh, what's that make you think of, Alice?
4: I don't know. Autumn leaves, perhaps? That's it.
5: That's it. And then they said Galahad and Launcelot. They were two knights at the round table.
4: Two knights.
5: That's it. Ships leave, two, night. That's the message. We've got to get out and stop that convoy from sailing. It'll be a U-boat pack waiting, waiting for it. Sure.
4: I've worked the knot loose, I think. Good.
5: Now give me your ropes. I'm going to need them. What are you going to do? Well, they'll be in for us in a minute. Is um, is there a chair in the room?
4: There's one next to me. I'm leaning against Good.
5: it. Good. I'll put it alongside the door and stand on it. When the Nazis come in, you'll be in back of the door and slam it shut behind but them. But they'll see you. Oh no, 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 not a chance. The room is too dark. I'll drop a noose over them, but quick. Shh. I think I hear something. Okay. Now I'll carry this chair over, and you stand behind the door. Already, Blackie. Yeah, me too. We'll do it, Doctor, just like you said. Oh, come in with me, Joe. Now, Alice. Your gun. Got... Get out your gun, Otto. I can't get it out. My arms are pinned down. Here's a present, Nazi. Oh. Don't be jealous, pal. Here's one for you, too. Oh, you can take it, huh, kid? Okay. Well, I guess that does it, Alice.
3: What is going on in there?
5: Oh, well, watch this, Alice.
3: <clears throat> Come in here, Dr. Quick. What is look? This is...
5: Alice. Alice, get on that telephone in the other room, quick. Tell the FBI what you know. Then call Inspector Faraday while I keep an eye on these Nazis. Now, when you get him... I Hold want it, you Mikey, to... hold it. Don't move. I've got you cold this time. Well, hot or cold, you'll hate yourself in the morning, Faraday, but yeah. I'm glad you're here. Yeah. How did you manage it? I managed it, boss. What? I got worried, and I couldn't bust in here alone, so I called your old friend, Faraday. Oh. Yeah, and I landed up here with both feet in ten minutes flat. When you do anything with your feet, Faraday, flat is the right word. Oh. <laughs> oh, thanks, Alice, for clearing me with Faraday. Oh,
4: Blackie, you're wonderful. Oh. You saved my life and broke up a spy ring, and it doesn't bother you a bit.
5: Don't you feel good about it? Oh, I should say I do. So good, I'm going to celebrate. Alone? Oh, no, no. You're coming with me, Alice. But first, we're going to call your Uncle Arthur.
4: What are you going to say?
5: Well, I'm going to tell him I've spent a lot of time looking for you. But from now on, I'm looking after you. <laughs>
2: We'll be back in just a moment with an interesting preview of next week's program. Now, you know those rich Rinso suds I've been telling you are such a help on wash day? Well, they're just as big a help come dishwashing time. Yes, ma'am. Milder than ever Rinseau is easy on your hands, too. Doesn't get them rough and red. So for dishwashing and for all the soap and water jobs around the house, better get Rinso to help you out. <laughs>
5: Now, uh, Matthews, you say this is a complete record of the people who came into Gordon's store yesterday? That's right, Inspector. Mm hmm. Mrs. Van Dyke Smythe, George Ellis, Lady Mary Andrews. Hey, quite an exclusive list of customers for a small shop. Yeah, ain't it? Let's see now. Uh, uh, this name here. Was he a customer? Yeah, Inspector. Gordon says he was in about noon, but that could have been a coincidence. Matthews, when a string of pearls is missing from a certain store and a certain party was in that certain store and the certain party's name was Boston Blackie, that's no coincidence.
2: Friends, of course you know the tremendous part our merchant marine is playing in the war. But did you know that the merchant marine is being expanded to meet increasing supply problems on every front? To meet the universal demand for a strong post war merchant marine? Yes, six ships a day instead of five will soon be coming off the ways of our shipyards, and every one of them must be manned by 40 to 50 men. So, if you have had previous sea experience, or if you want to get into a well paying job where everything you do will help to win the war and to build your own personal future, then join the United States Merchant Marine. Apply at once by wiring collect to United States Merchant Marine. Washington, D.C. Warm weather's here, and that means greater danger from perspiration. Protect yourself. Use Life Boy in your daily bath. You know, of seven leading brands, Life Boy gives you the most soap for your money, and its rich purifying Life Boy lather agrees with your skin. And don't forget, Life Boy's the only soap especially made to stop. B-O be sure to listen at this same time next week for another exciting adventure with Boston Blackie you can see Chester Morris as Boston Blackie on the screen at your favorite movie theater Boston Blackie's latest Columbia picture is One Mysterious Night, soon to be released. Richard Lane appears as Inspector Faraday, music by Charles Cornell. This is Harlow Wilcox saying goodnight for Boston Blackie, brought to you by the makers of Rinseau, the soap that gets clothes. This is the National Broadcasting Company.
12: Invite you to spend the next half hour listening to Dr. Watson tell us another exciting adventure he shared with his old friend, that master detective, Sherlock Holmes. And, say, let me tell you something I found out just the other day. Steaks are really back again. Good, thick, juicy porterhouse steaks. That's for me. A thick, tender steak on the rare side, together with a glass of Petri California Burgundy. You know, Petri Burgundy is a perfect mealtime wine. And with meat or any meat dish, it's the very last word in good eating. Honestly, when you taste the wonderful flavor of that rich red Petri Burgundy, you're tasting one swell example of the art of winemaking. It's full flavored and just about the most delicious wine that ever poured from a bottle. Try it the next time you have steak or chops or the next time you have hamburger or pot roast. Believe me, Petri Burgundy is the best friend a good meal ever had. And now let's look in on our good friend and host, Dr. Watson.
13: Come in, come in, come in. Ah, there you are, Mr. Bartell. Good evening, Doctor. <laughs> Just in time to join me in a cup of coffee. Draw up your chair, young fellow lad. Thank you. <clears throat> ah, that's it. Well, Doctor, you told us last week that tonight's new
12: Sherlock Holmes adventure takes us to the south of
13: France. That's right, Mr. Bartell. The south of France in the year 1900. A beautiful playground bordered by the bluest of blue seas and populated with an extraordinary cross-section of cosmopolitan Europe. Rich man, poor man, beggar man, thief. All of them attracted by that Riviera paradise. All of them drawn by the magical spell of a small white ball spinning round the rim of a roulette wheel.
12: Now, don't tell me that you and the great Sherlock Holmes were there on a gambling spree.
13: We were not, Mr. Bartell. <laughs> At the time my story begins, we just concluded an extremely delicate mission. A mission, I may say, that, uh, concerned the safety and good name of uh, a very prominent member of the royal family. Say, doctor, you don't mean... Uh, one story at a time, Mr. Bartell. In any event, my boy, I'm afraid that's the case about which my lips are sealed for all time. But to return to tonight's adventure, one June evening, I persuaded Holmes to accompany me to the gambling casino at Frejus, not far from Cannes, where we were staying. It wasn't quite as fashionable as a casino at Monte Carlo, but as I intended to do a little modest gambling myself, it seemed an establishment more suited to my means. As we stood there at the green baize-covered tables, the chatter of voices and the melodic chanting of the croupiers as they called the results of each spin of the wheel formed a background to a quiet conversation that Holmes and I were having
11: very
2: fast. Lost again, Watson.
11: Oh, confounded. That number ten must come up soon. Oh, why not cut your losses, old fellow, and come for a stroll with me on the wall Well, just
13: front. a big way A couple more bets, Holmes. I, I have a feeling that ten is bound to come up in a minute. <laughs>
11: Watson, I believe the blood of a gambler courses through your veins.
13: Oh, there's no harm in taking a little flutter once in a while. Why don't you risk a few francs, huh? Oh, no, thank you my dear chap the law
11: of averages convinces me that my money is safer in my pocket in any case i'm a little dubious as to the integrity of this particular casino Huh?
13: what makes you say that
11: well you will observe that this roulette wheel has a double zero most continental wheels have only a single one it would indicate that this house is extremely concerned with its percentage Mesdames,
13: oh just two more turns of the wheel Holmes. and i'll take that walk with
14: you
11: Hello, Mrs. why do you
14: not get from the other side of the table I must always stand next to me
13: hello good trouble up there I've placed my bet so so let's go and see I ask you sir, so why do you play here beside me
15: I'm afraid I don't see any reason why I can't play wherever I, I wish you are you've broken my luck okay. ever since you come to the table I've done nothing but lose please to move away i'll move away yourself if
16: you don't like my company heinrich why do you not stop now you've already lost more than we can afford
14: one more throw, sir i can win it all back if only this young man will move away
17: why should my husband move he's had a bad run of luck too
11: Ah, you've lost again
16: watson
13: Heinrich, you must stop
16: now
13: i must stop inside because i've lost everything I hope you're satisfied,
14: Mr. American. You've
15: broken my luck and ruined
16: me. I hope that you and your turn will be ruined too.
15: Heinrich! Heinrich, save for me! I never heard such rubbish in my life. Were you listening to him, sir?
11: I heard his last few remarks, Mr... Uh,
17: Gilbert. What's Roger Gilbert.
15: And this is my wife,
13: Helen. How do you do? My name is Holmes, and this is my friend, Dr. Watson. How
17: do you do? How do you do? Didn't you think his remarks were a little out of place, Doctor?
13: Yeah, I certainly did, Mrs. Gilbert. I don't see how I can possibly blame your husband for his run of bad luck. I didn't like the look on his face as he left the table, though. you you any idea who
11: he is? His
15: name is Schneeman. He's staying at the same hotel as we are. I've never spoken to him, but I've heard him being page there.
17: Well, you shouldn't gamble unless he can afford to lose.
15: Well, I'm losing, darling, and I can't afford it.
17: Oh, that- I can let you have more money. You know that.
15: Oh, no, Helen. I, I may have married an heiress, but I'm not going to use her fortune to gamble with. Oh. <laughs> I'll lose my own money and then I'll quit.
11: Mesdames et messieurs, faites
13: You're all it, Watson? Yes, Holmes. This time I know that number 10 is going to come up. It's got to. <laughs>
17: Give One, ten
15: I've lost
11: again, darn it. Helen, this is my bad night.
17: Well, why don't you stop now, dear? Holmes, I've made 350 francs. On this
11: throw of the wheel, old fellow, but as you've lost some 500 francs doing it, I can't say that you're. It me. Oh, Mr.
17: Holmes, I can see that you're no gambler. <laughs>
11: I'm afraid not, Mrs. Gilbert. And
13: say that, Holmes, uh, you may not like roulette. You've taken a good many chances in your life with long odds against you, too. Well, nevertheless, old chap, in the sense that Mrs. Gilbert means it, I am not a gambler.
17: Oh, I see. Say, what's the commotion wrong? over there? What's that German woman with a crowd forming around her. Yes,
15: yes, the wife of that man that said I ruined him.
17: Attention, attention,
11: est-ce qu'il y a un docteur dans la salle? The there must be trouble. He's asking for a doctor. A doctor? Come along, then. Will you excuse me, please? Thank you. Excuse me, madame. Well, I mean, you a Monsieur what happened mother
16: it is my husband is he ill i just found him lying out in the garden please come with me at once gentlemen
11: uh of course we will madam what seems to be the matter with him
16: here doctor i think he is dead he's lying by that tree doctor Please, see if you can help him. Somebody
11: else seems to be on the scene before us. Who are you, sir? I am Monsieur Chavreau, director of the casino. Do any of you know this poor man?
16: I am his wife. Is he... Is he dead?
11: I I am afraid so, madame. Let me look at him. I'm a doctor. Was your husband gambling in the casino tonight, madame?
16: Yeah, he was. Poor Heinrich. He lost everything that we have. I'm afraid he's dead, madame.
13: Shot to the heart. Oh, to leave leap God.
16: Suicide, Watson? Yeah, looks like it.
11: Mm. Yes. Powder burns on the shirt front, revolver clutched in the right hand, fingers in a natural position. The angle of the wound settles it. Obviously self inflicted.
15: I missed you as you slipped out of the casino.
11: What's wrong with him? I'm afraid he's dead, Mr. Gilbert.
16: Yes, he committed suicide. I hope, young man, that you are satisfied. All night you brought bad luck. He asked you to move away from him to change his luck, but no, you could not do it.
15: Oh, Frau Schneemann, I am terribly sorry, but I really
11: don't see how you can blame
15: me.
16: I do blame you, and I also blame you, Monsieur Chevry. Me?
11: But what have I done, Madame?
16: Why do you let a man lose all his money at your tables? Is life so cheap to you, and money so important that you cannot close the tables to someone before he's ruined? Madame,
11: I am all sympathy for you in your tragic loss, but the casino cannot be held responsible. If your husband could not afford to gamble, then he should not come here. How are we to know the financial limitations of our, of our customers? You said that your husband lost everything you had tonight, madame. Yeah, everything. Then how do you account for this sheaf of banknotes in his breast pocket?
13: Good Lord, it must be several thousand francs, sir. Then he wasn't
11: ruined. And his suicide, therefore, cannot be blamed on his losses at Matresino, madame. How do you account for this money, Frau Schneemann?
16: Well, I do not understand. Heinrich kept nothing from me. I know that he had not so much money on him when he started tonight. Uh, well, why do you all look at me like that? Is it that you think? You think... Quick, why uh, she's fainted?
11: I've got her. We must, must get her to her room. You can take her to my suite in the casino. No,
15: let's take her to the hotel. My wife will look after her. Poor woman, she's had a dreadful shock.
11: She can probably do with another woman's company. That's very considerate of you, Mr. Gilbert. Where are you staying? At the Hotel Creon. It's quite near here. I'll get a cabin while I'm doing that. Watson, see if you can revive her, will you? And then we'll take her to the Hotel Creon. Ah. kind of you, Mrs. Gilbert, to let us bring the poor lady into your suite. But
17: well, it's the least I can do, in spite of what she said about Roger bringing her husband bad luck.
11: Oh, I'm
15: sure she'll need your help when she wakes up,
13: Helen. Yes, I think you'll find that she'll sleep for some hours. I gave her a strong sedative. Well, we were just about to have a drink, gentlemen. Do you care to join us? Oh, thank you, sir. Well, that would be very nice, Mr. Gilbert.
17: Roger was just telling me that quite a large sum of money was found on her shaman's body, Mr. Holmes.
11: Uh, yes, Mrs. Gilbert. Several thousand francs.
13: It's very puzzling, Holmes. Why should a man commit suicide with so much money on him? I think the answer is obvious. He didn't.
11: What on earth do you mean? Well, the money was placed there after he had shot himself. The bank notes were in his breast pocket, if you remember. Hardly the usual place to carry money. Though it is the easiest pocket for someone to insert it without disturbing the body.
15: But why on earth should someone place money on him after his suicide?
11: Prevent the casino from getting a bad name. I've heard of it being done on several similar occasions. Gives the impression that the unfortunate victim had other motives than gambling losses to a country's suicide.
13: Right, Scott, you mean that one of the casino employees found the body lying there and slipped the money in his <coughs> breast pocket before we arrived on the scene.
11: As you know, my dear Watson, I'm not a gambling man, but I'll lay you a hundred to one. That is what happened.
15: Well, that's a new one. Well, here are your drinks, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Say, Helen, Mr. Holmes has given me a brainwave.
17: Another one? What is it this time, Roger?
15: Now, I've been losing very heavily tonight. Roger, I've
17: told you. If you need money, I'll be only. But I don't.
15: I've got a scheme for making some. I'm going to gamble again tonight after dinner. If I lose, here's what I'll do I'll stain my shirt front with red ink, walk out in the grounds, fire a shot, and lie down as though I'm dead. I'll wait for someone to come along and stuff my pockets full of (laughs) banknotes. Not not a bad idea, Mr. Gilbert. (laughs) I think
11: it's a darn good one. What do you say, Mr. Holmes? Uh, It's a whimsical one at any rate. Who knows? You might even be successful.
17: Roger. You're not really going to do it,
11: are you? Sure. Perhaps
15: I'll get some of my losses back that way. (laughs) Well, let's drink to it, gentlemen. At least I may have hit upon an idea of making money. (laughs)
11: and you'll have to work hard at your practice when you get back to England. Your infallible system appears to be extremely fallible.
13: And yet the fellow who told me about it said it couldn't miss. It's just a matter of doubling the stakes each time you lose, Oh, and then... my dear fellow, I've been
11: studying your system. But I can tell you a really infallible way of making money at roulette. You can? What is it? Well, own the gambling house and operate the tables yourself. The odds would be all in your favor.
13: Oh, what a brilliant suggestion. i you know, to... <laughs> Enough gambling for tonight, Watson? It's nearly 11 o'clock. No, no I think so. Let's take a stroll round the other table, shall we? By
11: the way, old fellow, the young American, Mr Gilbert, was losing heavily again tonight.
13: He was? I wonder if he'll try that trick that he threatened. The one with the red ink and the shot in the night. I shouldn't be at all surprised. As a matter of uh, interest. I saw him leave the tables
11: about half an hour ago. <laughs>
13: Here comes his wife, on the arm of Monsieur Chevry, the director of the
11: casino. Good evening, Mrs Gilbert. Monsieur? Bonsoir, monsieur.
17: Hello, Mr. Holmes, Dr. Watson. Monsieur Chevret is giving me a personally conducted tour of the casino. It's quite fascinating. And
11: uh, it is quite fascinating for me to have so beautiful a woman on my arm, <laughs> mademoiselle. <laughs> I know that I am the envy of all the men in the room.
17: Oh, stop <laughs> flattering me so much. I'm not used to it.
11: Mrs. Gilbert, how is, um, uh, Schneemann?
17: She seems much better. She wakened an hour ago and insisted on going back to her own room. I wanted her to spend the night with us in our suite, but she wouldn't hear yeah, of it. I
13: her. think I should drop in and see her before I go to bed. Oh, you have finished the gambling for tonight, perhaps, Doctor? Uh, no, perhaps about it, Monsieur Chevry. I've had a bad run at the tables. Oh, I am so sorry.
17: Has anyone seen Roger?
13: He left the tables about half an hour ago, Mrs. Gilbert. After doing as I did and losing quite heavily.
17: So he lost again, did he? I wonder if he'll try that uh, new system he was <laughs> talking about. We were just discussing
13: that possibility
11: ourselves, Mrs. Gilbert.
16: Mrs. Gilbert! Mrs. Gilbert! Fr. you shouldn't have left your hotel you now. It is too late to worry for me, Herr Doctor. It is for Mrs. Gilbert now that you should worry. What do you mean, madame? Well, I went back just now to where poor Heinrich died. And there, lying in the grass, I saw another body. I was too shocked to go too close. But I am quite sure that I recognize your husband, Mrs. Mrs. Gilbert. Oh, Dr. Watson, she's ruined Roger's trick.
13: And he would have taken fright
11: and bolted by the time we get there. Watson, awesome, babe, let's go at once and find out, shall we?
13: He... he hasn't gone. He's... he's still lying there. It's
17: a most convincing spectacle. That red ink really does look like blood.
11: Yes. And blood sometimes looks like red ink... Mr. Gilbert.
17: Roger, get up. The joke's spoiled. Roger. Get up.
11: I'm afraid that's impossible, Mrs. Gilbert. He's dead.
12: Dr. Watson's story will be continued in just a second, which is all the time I need to tell you that the easiest way I know to transform a simple meal into a feast... Is to serve that meal together with Petri California Sauterne. Petri Sauterne is a delicate white wine, and it's the perfect companion for chicken or turkey. Turkey. Ah, yes. Turkey and Petri Sauterne. That's the heart of any Thanksgiving dinner. Look, why not make this Thanksgiving dinner the best one you ever had? Give it the air of a banquet. Serve it with Petri Sauterne. And when you buy that Sauterne, or any wine for your Thanksgiving dinner, whatever you do, Look for the letters P-E-T-R-I. Because a Petri wine is always a good wine.
13: Well, Doctor, so
12: the young American's joke turned out to be another tragedy.
13: Yes, Mr. Bartell. The poor fellow was lying there dead with a bullet wound in the heart and a great splash of blood staining the whiteness of his shirt front. What happened next? Monsieur Chevre, director of the casino, took the distraught widow away from the scene while Holmes and I examined the body closely. Within a few minutes, we were joined by Inspector... Uh, Ganivet of the French police. As we stood there in the moonlight, the sounds of music could be heard from the casino. It was hard to believe that two men had died in that lovely garden since the moon had risen.
9: Monsieur Holmes, you and Dr. Watson have concluded your examination. Yes, Inspector Ganivet. <laughs> you favor me with your observations.
11: You say that you are certain that this is not another suicide? I'm sure of it, Inspector. Look at the wound. The bullet entered the body at a direct right angle, whereas a self-inflicted shot is always fired obliquely. Yes, that is so. Then uh, you
9: suggest that this man was shot from above as he lay on the ground pretending to be dead. I'm convinced of it.
11: Why, Monsieur? Well, for two reasons. Though it's impossible to be sure without a laboratory test, I'm certain that beneath those bloodstains are stains of red ink. Look for yourself, Inspector.
9: Mm -hmm. Yes, indeed it does look like it. What is your other reason for being certain that this man was shot as he lay here pretending death?
11: Show him the banknotes, Watson.
13: Uh, Here you are, Inspector. We found them stuffed in his breast pocket. So,
9: banknotes with a bullet hole through the middle of them. Very illuminating. Uh, Tell me, gentlemen, how many people knew of this... uh, this little plot you have told me about this plan of the dead man's to pretend to be shot
11: just three people inspector dr. Watson myself and mrs. Gilbert allure then the
9: answer is obvious you and your friend are innocent it must be the wife who killed him no one else knew of the
13: plot. No, I'm not so sure of that Frau Schneemann the dead German's widow was in the next room when Gilbert told us about his plan she might have heard though I could swear that she was asleep I gave her a very strong sleeping draft
9: From what you have told me of her husband's suicide, she
11: might easily have had a motive for murdering this man. Oh, come, 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 gentlemen. Surely it's obvious who murdered Mr. Gilbert? Who, monsieur? Well, certainly one of the two widows. Since there seems to be some doubt in your minds, I suggest we return to the casino. I can promise you the answer to your question within a very few minutes. Well, Monsieur Chevrolet, now that we're all assembled in your office, I shall sit down quietly and let Inspector ganivet conduct his examination. No, 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 Monsieur
9: Holmes. No, you have handled the case so far. Please, to cons- continue it to the end. Yes, Monsieur
11: Holmes, I should appreciate it. We have it, now. Very well, gentlemen. It won't take me long. Frau Neyman.
16: ja Herr Holmes.
11: At uh, what time did you leave your hotel tonight? Well,
16: I do not know what time it was.
11: Well, what made you leave it?
16: Uh, I could not sleep. I knew that they had taken poor Heinrich's body away, but I felt that I must walk back there. It was the last place I saw him alive.
11: How close did you come to Mr. Gilbert's body when you saw it lying
16: there? Oh, close enough to see who it was. Then I ran into the casino to tell his wife. I knew what had happened.
11: How did you know? You say you uh, didn't come close to the body.
16: I could tell by every line of the body as it lay there. I could tell because I knew that poor Heinrich's death would not be avenged.
11: Thank you, Froshnayman. That will be all. You may go. And Monsieur Holmes, she has no alibi. Surely you Inspector should stop Canibé. her. if I'm to conduct this investigation, I must do it in my own way. Pardon, Monsieur Holmes. Please continue. Right. Uh, you may go, Froshnayman. Mrs. Gilbert?
17: Yes, Mr. Holmes.
11: Where were you prior to our meeting in the casino tonight, just before we discovered your husband's body?
17: After I left the hotel, I walked over here along the seafront.
11: Can anyone verify that statement?
17: I suppose not. I didn't meet anyone that I knew.
11: And what did you do when you arrived
17: at the casino? I played a little de fer. A few months later, Monsieur Chevalier came over to the table and asked if he might escort me over the club. Ten minutes after that, we walked into you and Dr. Watson.
11: That is quite true, Monsieur Holmes. I can swear to it. Thank you, Mrs. Gilbert. I'm sorry to distress you with these questions. You may go.
17: I'll wait outside, Mr. Holmes. I must know what happened.
11: Wait for me there, madame. I shall join you in a few minutes and escort you home. Ah, oh, well, another suspect with a poor alibi, alibi, eh,
9: Gullivet? I must say, Monsieur Holmes, your methods puzzle me. It seems to me that both those women should be watched.
11: Yes, I agree with the Inspector Holmes. Please don't worry, Inspector. I've asked two of your plainclothes men to keep an eye on the ladies. And now, Monsieur Chepre, I'd like to ask you a few questions. Ask me any questions you wish, Monsieur Holmes. Thank you. You will agree that it is the custom <coughs> of the casino to put money on the bodies of suicides after their death. Get the impression that gambling gambling losses were not responsible for the tragedy.
9: Well, I, I do not oh, think. Oh, come now, Chevrolet I know that is a fact as well as you do.
11: Exactly. Now, on those rather gruesome occasions, whose responsibility is it to secrete the money? Yours, or do you entrust the matter to an underling? I do it myself. I see. Did you place the money on Herr Schneemann tonight? Yes, Monsieur, I did. And did you also perform the same service on the body of Mister Gilbert? No. I knew nothing of that death until a German lady, Falsch running into the casino. Excuse me, interrupting, monsieur. Of course, Inspector, what is it? I
9: think that you are wasting time. (laughs) It is obvious that Madame Gilbert committed the crime. She knew of her husband's plot, she had no alibi, and she had the motive. For is not uh,
11: (laughs) marriage itself the greatest of all motives for murder? Oh, my dear Inspector,
13: how very cynical.
11: Madame Gilbert did not kill her husband. I know it. And what is your opinion, Watson?
13: Uh, a German woman, she had no alibi either. And remember, she was half mad with, with grief. Mr. Chevrolet, you say that you know Mrs. Gilbert is not guilty. How do you know?
11: I was with her myself at the time the murder was committed. Oh, indeed. How very interesting. And what time was the murder committed? Well, it, it was... It, it was... Our investigations have never established what time the murder was committed, Monsieur Chevrolet. I'm afraid you've walked into my trap. You've given yourself away. Hey. Great, Scott Chevre, it, it
9: was you. Chevre, I've known you a good many years, and this is going to be a hard thing to do. I am going to arrest you. Oh, no, you
11: are not, Genevieve. Put down that revolver, sir. Do not be frightened, Doctor. I am not going to shoot you. Chevre. why did you murder Roger Gilbert tonight? Surely you know that too, Monsieur Holmes. Because I am in love with his wife. She's young, beautiful, and rich. It did not occur to me until I saw the young fool lying there tonight pretending to be dead. In my profession, it is natural that I should carry a revolver. What was simpler? Mr. Gilbert gave me the perfect opportunity. I I could not resist it. Put down that revolver, Chevrolet. Why are you all so frightened? Surely you know how I am going to use it this time. I think so, monsieur. But it's a coward's way out. What an unpreceptive remark for such a perceptive man. No. No, all my life, I have been a gambler. I gambled tonight. For the highest stakes of all, and... And I lost. No. No, I am not afraid to pay for my losses. Au revoir, monsieur. What an extraordinary
13: case, Holmes, <laughs> I never suspected Chevrolet. And I, old chap, suspected him from the beginning. Well, I wasn't the only one who was stupid, anyway. Inspector Gannivary thought it was the wife. True. Very puzzling conclusion
11: for a detective inspector to arrive at. Well,
13: oh, it seemed logical enough
11: to me at the no, time. No, 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 my dear Watson. Cold logic should have told you otherwise. Roger Gilbert had been losing heavily and had planned this hoax. He obviously had no money on him. Therefore, the money was planted in his pocket by Chevrolet. After he shot him? No, my dear fellow. Before? Before? The bullet hole through the banknotes provided that. Now, uh, had the money been put there innocently, Gilbert would have, um, well, you know, come back to life as soon as the person placing it there had left. He would not have remained lying on the ground for a murderer to find him.
13: Then Chevery must have bent over him as he lay there, placed the money in his breast pocket, and then fired.
11: Precisely, Watson.
13: Well, Holmes, I must say you solved it very neatly. You've told Inspector that you wanted no credit in the case.
11: Naturally, uh, publicity would be unfavorable. If you remember, no one is supposed to know that we're in the south of France.
13: (laughs) I'm certain that the inspector learned a few tips about detection tonight. Possibly, (laughs) old fellow. And I hope that uh, you have learned a few things about gambling. How do you mean, Holmes? Well, you're
11: backing the wrong color. Hmm? A gambler is usually superstitious, and superstition, well, I should
13: have told you what color to follow tonight. I still don't understand you, Holmes. I was playing number 10. Exactly. Number 10 is Black.
11: You should have followed a red color tonight, old fellow. The color of red ink. Red ink. And blood.
12: Say, Doctor, that was a swell story. I didn't know you liked to play roulette. You know, I... I figured out a system for roulette. It's like yours. Um, every time you lose, you double your money and keep doubling until you win. Oh, it's a
13: great system, Mr. Barker. There's only one thing wrong with it. What's that? You lose, you go broke, before you win. <laughs> <laughs> take, take my advice. Don't gamble. You can't beat the laws of chance. Uh, but suppose I
12: bet on a sure thing. Like what, for instance? Oh, like the fact that Petri wine is always good wine. It is, you know. Because the Petri family has been making wine for generations. They've been handing down from father to son, from father to son, the art of turning luscious, sun-ripened grapes into delicious, fragrant wine. Ever since the Petri family started their business way back in the 1800s, they've been perfecting the art of winemaking. That's why Petri wine is always good wine. The Petri family took time to bring you good wine. So no matter what type of wine you prefer, why not take a few seconds of your time to look for the letters... P-E-T-R-I. They spell delicious wine, Petri wine. Well, Dr. Watson, what new Sherlock Holmes story are you going to tell us next week?
13: Next week, Mr. Bartell, I'm going to tell you of a strange adventure that Sherlock Holmes and I had when we were in Stratford-on-Avon many years ago. It concerns an actor, a mysterious boating accident
12: and several dead
13: butterflies. Sounds good, Doctor. I'll see you then. Oh, fine, but now, now, don't forget, next week we're going to broadcast our program from the Paramount in Hollywood for the Victory Loan Drive. So if any of our friends are going to be in Hollywood, we'd love to see them there. Just buy a Victory Bond at any store or bank on Hollywood Boulevard, and in return, you will be given your ticket of admission. Better hurry up, though, before all the seats are gone. Let's really buy lots of those Victory Bonds. Let's finish the job. Tonight's
12: Sherlock Holmes adventure is written by Dennis Green and Anthony Boucher and was suggested by an incident in the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle story, A Study in Scarlet. Music is by Dean Fossler. Mr. Rathbone appears through the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and Mr. Bruce through the courtesy of Universal Pictures, where they are now starring in the Sherlock Holmes series. The Petri Wine Company of San Francisco, California, invites you to tune in again next week, same time, same station. This is Harry Bartell saying goodnight for the Petri family. Sherlock Holmes comes to you from our Hollywood studio. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.
6: Randy Stone. I cover the night beef, the Chicago star. You know, stories start many different ways, but this one began modestly enough with a zero on a typewriter. That's right. Cipher, naught, nothing. But to one man of Chicago's four million, that zero meant death.
2: Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Rudy Stone.
6: Mine is a funny kind of a job. When that evening sun goes down, I start walking through the dark city, peering into bleak alleys, wandering through the bright neon, listening to the sounds of a city at night, the whisper of footsteps, the shattering roar of an L train, the sob of an ambulance siren. I wander up the boulevards, down the back streets, searching for something in the dark city. And what exactly is it that I seek? Brother, it's something more elusive than the farthest star. I seek the city's heart. Tonight, I must have walked for miles. The cold wind off Lake Michigan ad-living with my ribs and the hot breath of my deadline biting into my neck. Then ahead of me, I saw that friendly oasis in the darkness. Benny's all-night beanery, otherwise known as Tomaine Junction. Throwing caution to the winds, I started through the door for a cup of coffee.
0: Operator, operator, answer
6: me. Nobody around but Benny polishing the counter,
0: operator, I've
4: and been this
6: little blonde yapping excitedly into oh, the wall phone near the door. Please hurry. Such devotion, somebody should get that excited over me.
0: Hello, Mrs. Warren. Yes, we were disconnected. Has he come home yet, Mrs. Warren? How are you,
6: Benny? How's the bicarbonate king?
5: Oh, hi, you, Randy. Oh. You always say that, but well, you
6: keep coming me. back. Ha <laughs> really? ha. for punishment.
8: Well, you've got to find him. You've just
6: got to. Get her. What's
5: with her, Benny? No, no. 25 calls she makes like that. 25 times she gets the same answer. 25 times she comes over to get more nickels. Business is good, huh? Yeah, hey, a hole in the head. What's in it for me making change all night? Give me some
0: change. Please, nickels. <laughs>
5: lady, sooner or later, I gotta run out. This is it. I gotta have some. I don't make them here, lady. Now, will well, you please...
0: change, quarters, dine. Now, uh, let
5: me take a look. See if I have any. Oh,
0: yes, please do. But hurry, please
5: hurry I, I gotta reach him Randy, make
6: with the catch, he's passing out Oh, easy, lady, easy How cold Coffee, Benny, quick There's one thing I'll say If Gabriel's trumpet doesn't succeed in waking the dead All they've got to do is send for some of Benny's coffee After I got a couple of sips down the girl's throat, she started coming out of it. Tears rolling down her face, her whole body trembling with sobs. Oh, come on now. Now stop it, honey.
0: Stop it. What happened to me?
6: You passed out, but good. What time is it? Oh, it's 9.45.
0: I've got to find him I've just got
6: to Oh, now, take it easy You're still shaking Now, come on Have a few more sips of this so-called coffee Oh, no, no Well, if you think Benny's coffee is bad You ought to try his hamburgers I've just got to find him Who have you got to find? The man What man?
0: The man I killed
6: Ask a foolish question You get a foolish answer Only before I could ask any more questions A little lady was on her way out of the place I looked at Benny just to make sure he'd heard the same thing I had. He'd heard. His mouth was hanging open like somebody had taken off the hinges. I left the beanery and started after the girl. At first I thought I'd lost her. Then I saw her sagging against the side of a building under the elevator tracks on Deerhall Street. She saw me come. What
8: do you want?
6: Oh, I'm just an old busybody. I don't know
0: what to do. I'm going crazy. I should call Mrs. Warren again. Maybe he came home. Who? That
6: man. The man you killed, huh? Well, that that makes sense. Now listen, Well, you don't
0: understand. You just don't understand.
6: This you can be sure of.
0: I've got to find him. I've just got to.
6: You've killed him, but you've got to find him. Yeah.
0: I I must go. Please. Please let me go.
6: I'm not holding you, kid.
0: But I... I don't know where to turn. I...
6: You don't want to go anyplace, do you? You want help. All right. Here it is. I, I don't know you. My name is Stone. Now that we're formally introduced.
0: The, the newspaper columnist?
6: Well, the uh, man's got to eat.
0: Maybe you can help. Maybe you can, Mr. Stone.
6: Yeah, but first I've got to know why you keep calling the home of the man you killed to see if he's gotten in yet. This is slightly confusing.
0: All right, I'll tell you. My name is Ruth Baker. I'm receptionist and secretary for Dr. Stanley Loring.
6: The specialist?
0: Yes. Go ahead. There was a man, Philip Warren... A week ago, he saw Dr. Loring for an examination. Today, this afternoon, he came back for the report. I was in the outer office when Mr. Warren left the consultation room. He looks strange. Strange and frightened.
14: Will you give me a cigarette, Miss Baker? Oh,
0: certainly, Mr. Warren. Here. There's a lighter on the table.
14: Never mind. I I don't want a cigarette.
0: Who's there... Is there anything wrong?
14: Hey. What time have you got?
0: 3.15.
14: You're a minute slow. (laughs) All that? But a minute is important. Very important.
0: If you're going to catch a train. No,
14: it's always important.
0: Yes, I I suppose it is.
14: Oh, yes. You know, I've I've lived all my life that way. Paying attention to time. Being punctual. Hmm. My wife considers it a nuisance. Do you? Oh,
0: I, I, I'm afraid I hadn't thought You
14: should. Of... Everyone should. Time. Have you thought how many different ways one tells time? It can whisper in an hourglass. Or tinkle in a tiny little clock. Or it can roar. Or... Yes? All my life it's been important to me. Now he won't tell me when. All he says is sometime. That's not fair, Miss Baker. It's not right. Oh, look, Mister Warren. Perhaps you'd better lie down. Oh no, no, no! I've got several things to do. Many things, in fact. Oh, I see. You don't. But that doesn't matter at all. <laughs> you know, in my office, I can hear the chimes of the clock in the tower above me. I've always listened to them. I, I like them because time is important. But I never heard them chime midnight. Midnight. I guess midnight is a special time. It's either tomorrow or it's a day. It's, it's in between. It tells a man that the day is over, another one's going to begin. It's like standing on the edge. Goodbye, Miss Baker. Um, Goodbye, Miss Baker. Yes, Doctor? Miss Baker, will you come in, please?
0: Right away.
5: Loring gone,
0: Miss Baker? Yes, he just left, Dr. Loring.
5: Yeah, that was certainly unexpected. I was almost certain it wasn't that serious. Well, put his examination report back, will you? Yes, sir. The closed file, Miss
0: Baker. The the closed?
5: Yes. Oh,
0: I'm sorry. What was it?
5: An inoperable condition.
0: Oh, now I see.
5: See what, Miss Baker?
0: Why he acted so strangely.
5: Oh. Don't worry. you will go home, think about it. When the first shock wears off, you will accept it. What else can you do? What else can anyone do?
0: After that, I went back to my desk, Mr. Stone. I was checking my files and...
6: Come on, Ruth, what?
0: I made a mistake. A horrible mistake. What was it? Well, when a patient comes in for examination, only Dr. Loring knows his name. The technical laboratory has only a number, a a number on a card. Mr. Warren's was 5129. I typed it wrong. I typed 5120.
6: The card number of another
0: patient? It was a mistake. I put Mr. Warren's name under the wrong laboratory number. The number of of a man who is going to die...
6: Only Doctor Loring will be able to tell if Warren. Well,
0: just a routine checkup would indicate symptoms. It took actual laboratory work to to make certain. Oh, I see. He'll kill himself. He's that kind of a man. And if he does, I've killed him, murdered him. And if he... I, I don't want to live. I'll kill myself. Oh, too. now, come on,
6: come on. Now, there's no time for that. Does Doctor Loring know?
0: I-, I told him right away.
6: And he tried to reach Warren.
0: Oh, we've been trying since this afternoon. At his home. Everywhere. He he must have gone home first because he left his wife a note.
6: Suicide note. Yes. Ruthie, come on, let's go.
0: Well, where?
6: Warren's home. And if he's not there, well, well, Chicago's a big city. It'll be tough finding one man among four million people, but we can try.
7: I got home, Mr. Stone. I knew Philip went to see Dr. Loring, but I didn't know... Just
6: it. the note and nothing else, Mrs. No, Warren? No, nothing. You called the police right away? Well, of course I did. And you haven't left this apartment? Not
7: for a second. Well, didn't he phone, try to get in touch with you at all? No, Miss Baker, he did not. And if my husband isn't found before he kills himself, I'll see to it that I you... I am telling you it was a mistake. Anyone could make a mistake A Mistake? Like to make a man believe he's going to die in horrible pain? No, that's no mistake. That's murder. The cruelest kind of murder. Don't. it out of here and leave me alone. Wait get a minute. Out.
6: Wait a minute, Mrs. Warren. Why crucify this kid because she made a mistake that could happen only once in a million years? To my husband. To anyone. Oh, leave
7: me alone. You want
6: to find him, don't you?
7: Well, now, what kind of a question is that?
6: A nice, reasonable question. You want to find him. All right. Help us.
7: But what can we do? By midnight, he'll, he'll be dead. The note he left said so. Someone's at the door. It might be him. I'll get it.
3: Mr. Warren? Uh, Warren? No, I...
7: Paul. Yes? Paul, what what did you find out?
3: Nothing. I I checked every precinct station between here and the Oak Street Beach. Uh,
7: uh, Paul, this is Mr. Stone. And the girl
3: who... I I, I see.
7: Paul is is a friend of Philip's.
3: Yeah, yeah,
6: there's nothing you said? No, no one's seen him. And no suicide report? Not his.
0: It's ten now. We've got two hours to find
6: him. You know, that bothers me. Why should he choose exactly twelve o'clock to die?
7: If you knew my husband, you'd understand why. The ticking of the clock was the most important thing in his life. You could set your watch by his schedule. Up at 7.30 in the morning, never 7.28, never 7.31, 7.30. Breakfast at 10 minutes to 8. Irma,
3: Irma it... we haven't time to worry about Philip's idiosyncrasies right now. We've got to find him. As the young lady said, we've only got two oh, hours. I'm sorry. Try to think the way he would.
6: What does he do for those two hours? Where does he go? What does he want to see?
7: He's lived all his life doing things exactly the same way. That's all.
6: Well, that's something. What are you getting at, Stone? Well, I'd, I was just thinking. Nobody ever lets go of life without holding on to something else. Nobody knows whether you can take a memory with you or not. Maybe it's just a face, a, a melody, a favorite place. Nobody knows, but we we like to think so. Well, Philip... Go ahead, what were you going to say? Well, the... Philip would want to die exactly as he'd lived, knowing exactly when and where. That's what I mean. Mrs. Warren. Oh,
7: what?
6: I want a list of every place your husband might go. But. Uh, I'm telling, Mama. Well,
7: there are so many places. A hundred, a
6: thousand. What's the difference? Write them down. I'll go with you, Storm. No, no, you stay here with Mrs. Warren. Somebody's got to be here if he shows up. And step on it with that list. Mrs. Warren, I've got a lot of places to cover by midnight. If we haven't found him then, we can cut our list down to one place the county morgue. <laughs>
2: Night Beat, stars Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone.
6: Find one man out of four million people, find one place out of a thousand square miles of city, and do it in two hours, 120 minutes. A long chance? <laughs> Compared to our job, a buck on the Irish sweepstakes was money in the bank. We had two things in our favor. One, Mrs. Warren had called the police. A thousand cops had Warren's description. Two, Warren himself. The way he lived was a clue to the way he might die. On time, punctual. But where? The first list... The first place on this list was a little restaurant where he sometimes ate. They knew him there, all
14: right. Uh, Mr. Warren? Yes, I know him. Has he been in here tonight? Tonight? Yes. Yes, tonight. Tonight? I see you don't know Mr. Warren very well. Mr. Warren comes here on Tuesday evenings only. This is Monday. Cross
6: off one place. Go to the next. Yes, they knew Mr. Warren. No, he hasn't been in tonight. This is Monday. He comes here only on Fridays. Grab a cab and hurry on. Watching the minutes go by. Watching Ruthie die a minute at a time telling her no matter how bad we were doing, the cops would find him for sure. The cigar store, where he stopped for cigarettes, missed him by an hour. The newsreel theater, sure, an old customer, but he comes on Wednesday for the new weekly show. Ruthie wanting to call Mrs. Warren again to see if the police had found him yet, but no time. Forty minutes gone, an hour lost, going down the list.
13: Hey, Ben, wait a Hey, kid.
6: No, not right now. Listen to me. Every night a man stops by here. His name is Warren. Oh, I know him. What
9: about him? Well,
5: has he been here tonight?
9: Sure. Hey, what gives with that guy? What do you mean?
5: Well, any other night, he's by here 6 o'clock sharp. Tonight, he comes past after 10. Buys a paper, a late addition. He's never done that before. In fact, I, I never seen him after 6. Which way did he go?
6: Did he say anything to you?
5: Nothing. All he does is buy the paper, walk away, and then he throws the paper away like he don't want it in the first place. Which way did he go? Uh, straight up Michigan,
6: and that way. You've
5: got to admit it's unusual.
6: Yes, I admit that. it. I admit it. Thank you. Come on, Cappy, move. So we went straight up Michigan Avenue that way. All we accomplished was to lose another five minutes of our time. And, brother, when it came to time, we were really scraping bottom. Those ever loving cops were becoming more important by the second. One by one, we kept scratching names off the list. The cafeteria where we sometimes stopped for coffee, but not tonight. The drugstore where we stopped for stamps, but not tonight. Then the last place on the list, the very last. A little cocktail lounge on Michigan Avenue. One of those she-she joints where the lights are so soft and low you can't watch the bartender watering the booze. Our two hours were just about all used up. Can I help you, sir? Oh, pal, if you can nobody else can. <laughs> I beg your pardon? I'm looking for a man named Philip Warren. Do you know him? Oh, yeah, yeah, quite well. I consider Mr. Warren one of my special customers. Was he here tonight? Well, what do you ask? We don't have time for anything but yes or no answers, please. Yes or no.
5: no I really don't feel I'm at liberty to discuss with complete
0: strangers. Oh, Randy. Well, Randy, it's not going to work. We're not going to
5: find
6: him. Something wrong with Mr. Warren? Well, to put it mildly, yes. Now, come on. Well, if you'll tell me why you no, want to... No, listen, you please. See,
5: it's not really proper to tell just anyone who happens to inquire. Now,
6: unless we find him in the next 15 minutes, Warren is going to die. You're joking. Look at this girl here. If Warren dies, she'll... Never mind. Look at her face and tell me I'm joking.
5: Oh. All right, I I didn't know. Mister Warren's a good customer, you know. Two strangers asking. Was he on.
6: in here, and how long
5: ago? Well, he, he came in a little while ago. I thought it was strange, you know, because he's late. He always comes in promptly at five thirty-five.
6: Never mind the details. How long ago? Uh,
5: about uh, ten minutes ago. He sat at the usual place, but then he didn't drink his sherry.
6: Do you
0: know he just... where
6: he went? No, no, I don't. Did you see him go?
5: Oh yeah, I saw him leave.
6: All right, now think. Has he ever said anything about going anywhere from here?
5: No, no, no. He was always very quiet. Oh, but I think his office is near here. What makes you think that? Well, he mentioned once he always leaves it at 5.30.
6: And I say, always... thank you. Where's the phone?
5: Uh, near the entrance.
6: Come on, Ruth. Thank you.
5: What is it, Mr. Stone?
0: What did you think of? You
6: got his home phone number? Oh,
0: yeah. written down right. here. Thank you. Why are you calling
6: there? I want to know where his office is.
0: But why? All
6: his life, punctual, methodical, everything to him was a habit. Maybe it's a crazy hunch, but I could be right. He could have gone to his office.
0: Yes, you could be right. Come
6: on, come on. Answer, answer. Oh,
0: they've got to be there. They said they'd stay.
6: But they don't answer. Ruth, do you remember where his office is? Must be on your records. Oh,
0: I don't remember it. Oh, but we can go and get it. So there's no time. Try it again. Oh, they're
6: not there. I told them to stay there, the fools. I. What? The phone directory. i have a business listing for him. Warren, 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 Warren. poor, Paul, Peter. Philip, Philip Warren. Is it? No, only his home phone, the number I just called.
0: Mr. Stone. What? If Mrs. Warren isn't home, she might have gone to the police. Maybe they found him.
6: That could be it. Keep your fingers crossed that they found him alive. snooping around this precinct for stories? I've got one, Mac. So? Listen, I'm in a hurry. You've got to tell me something. Why, sure, Randy. What? There's a general call out for a man named Philip Warren. Have you got anything on it? I'll take a look. Warren. Philip Warren. That's right. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, Mac, come on, come on. No, nothing here on that name, Randy. Nothing? Mac, you're crazy. The call went out this afternoon. Every precinct has got... Well, this is one of them, but there ain't a thing here. Take a look for yourself. Here's the sheet. No, I'll take your word for it, Mac. Listen, put out a call right away. He's got to be picked up He he killed somebody? He'll kill himself. You hear that, Mac? He'll kill himself if he's not found before midnight.
3: Before midnight? But
5: that's
6: just 15 minutes? Yes, yes, I know.
8: What did they say?
6: They didn't have a call for
0: him. That's crazy. They must have. Mrs. Warren called the police. Yeah, yeah,
6: yeah. Just a minute, Cabby. Look, look. Let's figure it. That last cocktail lounge. The bartender said Warren came in every evening at five thirty-five. That he left his office at five thirty. Mm-hmm. That makes his office a five-minute walk from the cocktail lounge.
0: And and what he said to me, remember? What? 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 He said he liked to sit in his office and listen to the chimes from the tower above his office.
6: Tower, tower, five minutes from that cocktail lounge on Michigan Avenue.
0: Look, to... look up the avenue.
6: The Wrigley Building. The clock in the Campanile Tower. Ruth, that's got to be it. We've got ten minutes to get there and find the office. Cabby, Wrigley Building, fast! (laughs) The red in the traffic lights didn't mean a thing, but it still took us three minutes to get to the Wrigley Building. When we got there, the hands of the clock in the Campanile Tower pointed to seven of twelve. And as we looked up, the larger hand crossed out another minute of Warren's life. One more went by before the night watchman heard me pounding at the doors. And then he opened them.
14: Hey, hey, what's all the fuss? Look, look, my name is
6: Stone, Chicago star. Yeah, will that give me the right to pound on doors? No, please, please, just listen. Huh? Does a man named Philip Warren have an office in this building? No, he ain't got no office. Oh, no. Are you sure? Sure, oh, of course I'm sure. man named Warren works
8: here, really. Philip
6: Warren? Sure, works for Western Research. Did he come in tonight? Eh, why? Stop asking questions, please. We've got to find him or he'll be dead. But...
5: He was all right when he walked in. I all right, take us it. up to him. Hey, you've got to sign the in and out sheet, just like everybody else. All right,
6: all right, we'll sign it. Just take us up.
5: Yeah, okay. Got to use the freight elevator, The Regular ones don't run at night, not this shop. I don't care which one we use. Just
6: get us up to Warren. looking at my watch while that freight elevator droned its deadly way up to the floor where Warren had his office. And then at last, we were there. Uh,
8: uh, sure.
6: Western Research Office is right down that way. i just... You'll call the police. Huh? Call the police. Tell them you're calling for me to get here as soon as they can. Oh, sure. Okay. Thank you. Come on, Ruth. There
0: it is.
6: There's no light inside. It's open.
0: There's no one here.
6: Find the light switch.
0: Yeah. Ken! All
6: right, never mind. I'll light a match.
0: Look, What's the matter? I thought I saw someone at the desk. when you light that match?
6: All right. Follow me. Look. Mrs. Warren.
17: What are
7: you doing here?
6: Well, I thought of the same thing you did, and I. Herman.
7: Herman, are you still here? Yes, Paul. Mr. Stone is here, too.
6: Stone?
7: Yes. Uh, turn on the light, Paul. All right.
6: Why wasn't the light on in the first place?
7: Well, we thought if Philip came here and saw a light, he wouldn't come in.
6: That's right, Stone. We, we called the police. They had nothing yet, so so we came here. We, we thought that You called de- the police?
7: We, we, we just couldn't stay home and do nothing.
6: The police didn't tell you anything, huh? No, everyone's looking for Philip. I'll ask you nice, Paul. Where is he? I don't understand. Let's stop playing patty cake. Where is he? I tell you, we don't know. Sure you do. Well, you're one of his best friends. Where is he? Come on, give.
7: Well, we don't know where he is. We came here for the same reason you did. You never, never did,
0: called we? the police about your husband like you said. You didn't want them to find him. You're insane, both Come of you. Come on, poor
6: boy. Tell me where he is. Shelly, you, I don't know. Now let's try it again.
0: Come on. Stone,
6: you're a... Never mind me. Let's stick to the subject of the moment. Where is he? I told you! Where is he? <coughs> All very neat and clean, wasn't it? Let the old boy kill himself. <coughs> Just don't do a thing about it. Stop it, Stone, stop it! You tell me when, Paul. How much insurance was he going to leave to your lady friend? <coughs> you sure it isn't one of those non cancellable policies, Paul? You know, some of them don't pay off on suicide.
7: <coughs> tell me where stop. he is. Tell me! Stop, stop it! Stop it, stop it, stop it! He's on the tower. Top
6: of the building. I saw him. He's going to jump. Here's your boyfriend, Mrs. Warren. Catch! the tower, Ruth. Come on. The elevator. No time. Tower's only two flights up. Come on. I'll need you. It was one minute of twelve when we took the first step of the two flights. The run-up was like one of those dreams in which you stand aside and watch yourself. There was a queer, impersonal detachment about it that made the horror even more real. And then we were out on the roof. Did you see
8: him?
0: No, no,
6: not yet. What that? Where?
0: Look... On the tower. Warren!
6: Warren, wait, Warren! Yes. Yes, I'll wait. Because it's not quite time.
8: I've got to finish off today.
6: You've got to listen to me. You're not going to
3: die. Do you hear me? He said I was. But he wouldn't say when. He wouldn't tell me when. But I know I can tell you. It's not quite 12, but what it is.
5: Warren, look here.
6: Ruth, make him listen yeah. to you.
5: Mr. Warren!
8: Look at me! you know who I am? Yes,
13: I know. I know everybody in the world. And I could see everybody from here. Please.
16: The report was a mistake. You're not going to die, do you hear? It was a mistake. Please, listen to me. You're lying.
14: You're all lying. Everybody lied to me all my life. You want me to suffer. I can't. I tell you, I can't. I know
0: when
14: I'm
4: going to die. But you're not. It was a mistake. My mistake. Not the doctor's. I
13: swear. We're not lying to you. I
6: swear it. Randy. Randy. Why? Oh. Mother in heaven. Get your boys ready, Max. Uh, they're all set. But him. What about him? Keep talking, Luke. He's watching you. Keep talking.
0: Mr. Warren. You're all right. Do you hear? You're not going to die. He said I was. He
13: told
0: It was a
4: mistake!
13: Please please don't lie to me, please.
6: It's the truth, Mr. Warren. You're not going to die. Do you believe it?
0: Oh, thank heaven. Thank heaven.
6: You can get him now, Mac. He'll hold on until your boys reach him. here I sit, trying to write my story for tonight. But I keep hitting that one key. Zero. Zero. Cipher. Nought. Nothing.
8: Ah.
6: Oh, dear. Someday, a nice, peaceful story is going to be written about a flock of happy little birds leisurely circling a burned-out world, wondering whatever happened to all those crazy two-legged characters who spent their lives knocking each other's brains out. What a nice thing to read that'd be. Huh. Yeah, but wait a second. Who'd write it? <laughs> All right, you broken-down, two-bit philosopher. The makeup editor's got to go home, too. So let's get going. Hello? Give me a rewrite.